Hi everyone, and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I'm James Prescott, your host. Um, delighted to welcome uh, Barry Pearman to the show today. Um, Barry is um, a gardener, and uh, he's also, but he also is an author, um, and uh, he does. He's done a lot of work um, in mental health advocacy and working with people with mental illness as well. And so, uh, yeah, welcome to the show, Barry. Yeah, thanks, James. It's great to be here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, tell us a bit about um, like the work you do, and, and um, yeah, and, and about yourself. Okay. <laughs> the story. Well, um, primarily, right now, it's uh, regarding mental health. As I have a blog called TurningThePage.info, which is all about uh, spiritual formation and mental health. Mm. And so, I write a weekly blog post uh, regarding some aspect of mental health. And, uh, but in the past, I've held uh, positions of working one-to-one with people in, who've got major mental illnesses, uh, illnesses such as anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, and as a support worker type role, helping them find work, helping them um, with their daily struggles and helping them to, uh, to grow and to um, recover. Uh, after I did that for a few years, I was um, invited to become a pastor slash chaplain to people with major mental illnesses. And so it was a church position, and the church had a trust where <clears throat> the trust actually did the social work type stuff for, the, for their clients. Mm. Um, but the church wanted to actually know how to um, reach these people in their faith journey and mm-hmm. so they invited me to in a joint partnership to uh, develop a ministry specifically for people with um, disabilities primarily mental health related disabilities mm-hmm. yeah and so uh, we developed that uh, and it included your normal sort of church activities like having a church service um, camps uh, social activities uh, Bible studies, uh, the whole gamut of normal sort of stuff. And um, yeah. so I did that for 13 years, and, um, and then I, I moved on from that and into uh, pastoring a small country church for a couple of years, and then I left that, and this is what I'm doing now. <laughs> Where I'm yeah. working out in the garden, and I'm writing, and I'm doing website stuff for people as well. Yeah. Yeah, mm. so I mean, kind of... Do you have any, I mean, do you have any kind of, outside of your, obviously you've done a lot of work with people with yeah. mental illness and you've got a lot of experience um, in yeah. that area. I mean, do you have any, like, personal experience of, of mental illness? Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> um, as a child, I was raised in a wonderful family, a sheep farming family, which sounds kind of synonymous with uh, <laughs> with New Zealand. <laughs> my father was a farmer. and um, But my mother also struggled with, with depression and uh, looking back now, I can see that um, <laughs> in our church, there was a lot of people with uh, various mental health related disabilities. And um, so I got to understand that sort of stuff from an early age. <clears throat> and then uh, as I uh, got involved in this mental health stuff, working as a support worker, I just sort of fell in love with it. It's like, this is, this is me. This is who I am. Um, unbeknownst to me, I think <clears throat> um, near the end of my ministry with 
and mental health, mm. I discovered that I also had depression. And um, it was kind of hidden for a long time. I didn't realise it was there. And it just got, mm. you know, steadily got worse and worse. And um, until about 2010, I actually started taking medication. And I've been on medication ever since. And so, you know, I struggle with um, clinical depression on a daily basis. Some days it's good, some days it's not so good. Mm. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so I'm working through all that and I can speak to it from a, a personal, yeah, voice. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think that's always really powerful when yeah. people who are advocating for, like, mental health awareness and um, have some experience themselves, whether it's them or somebody very close to them, you know, and you have yeah. both. Um, yeah, I mean, how has that? How did? How has having depression impacted your your faith and also your creativity as well? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> My faith, I suppose, it's really um, made me push in closer to God. I suppose you know, becoming more and more dependent on hearing the Holy Spirit's voice. You know, encouraging me. You know, the Comforter. Mm-hmm and being the advocate and someone who is walking alongside me. Uh, yeah, the most common little phrase in the whole Bible is, I am with you. And that's my experience is that even though the struggles are there, I'm never alone, never, never, ever alone with them. And so that's a great comfort uh, to me, and I can pass that on to, to others through my creativity. And so... With um, the creativity, it's really uh, the mental illness has taken me into it um, in a deeper way, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, having to wrestle with some of these beliefs that I've had in the past and, and what does God say about that? You know, what is the truth? Uh, what is the truth I need to keep telling myself? And and then sharing that with um, other people that read my blog and, uh, you know, look at my posts on Twitter and Facebook, etc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it does something to you, doesn't it, when when you've had that experience of mental illness, and I've, I've had it as well, um, you start questioning everything, right? you know. And yeah, yeah, you including, do. Including your faith, you know. And, yes. Um, most people I know who've had mental illness who have had faith before that's happened have um, have had you know had a, gone through a major deconstruction and a like a questioning of everything and a kind of um, and then a reconstruction hopefully of you know of their their relationship with God and their spirituality and that kind of <laughs> that's right yeah and when I was I was pastoring uh, you know people with major mental illnesses you know this. Some of the most, some of them were the most incredibly uh, faithful people, and had a depth of relationship mm. that uh, was incredible. And uh, um, we had a lot of volunteers come to help, you know, for transport and various things. And uh, they would come away and say, "I have just learned so much from driving such and such person, you know, back and forth, or going and visiting them in my home, you know." You know, uh, I might be helping them with some things, but they have mm. taught me so much, much more than what I could have learned anywhere else. <laughs> wow. mm. So tell us about um, what you're working on now. You've just you've just released, or you're just about to release, 
um, a new book, aren't you? Um, yeah. yeah. Tell us a bit about that. Okay, so it's a book called Broken to Built, and it's it's kind of a devotional book based on the first seven chapters of Nehemiah, mm-hmm. and it's all about uh, recovery. And so what I've done is I've just uh, nibbled my way through <laughs> the first seven chapters of Nehemiah and taken out little portions, little devotionals mm-hmm. uh, for a daily read about recovery. One of the things I learnt when I was pastoring is that people uh, in the congregation you know, the, that I was serving didn't want big books. <laughs> they, <laughs> they didn't have the concentration. Uh, if you handed them a big book, it would be immediately a big turn-off because it would just be too big a task to actually mm. accomplish. And uh, <clears throat> so with that in mind... I like to write short stuff. <laughs> I yeah. like to write short books uh, that will actually be read. And so uh, in this book, it's only each day's readings are only about 270 words, which is highly mm-hmm. achievable for, for anybody. And it tells a little story. It tells. It gives a section of scripture, has an application, uh, a quote to think about, a question to answer, and uh, mm. it's just like a daily uh, pep talk, not pep talk, but a, a daily thought for people to think about recovery. And and the story of Nehemiah is, uh, you know, when I got into it, I'm like, wow, there is just so much here about the journey of recovery for, for people, whether it's from um, an addiction or from a mental health issue or or from brokenness of marriage or anything related to sort of just life. Mm. From from the very start, you know, the story of Nehemiah is all about um, Jerusalem, how it had been destroyed, you know, leveled. And and God calls Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem to rebuild and not just rebuild, but rebuild the heart of the people that's there. Mm. So it's a, um, it's very much a mental health journey. <laughs> the yeah. people that I've come across, you know, many of them have been absolutely struck down and destroyed by various things that have happened to them. And there's no quick fix um, uh, remedy for that. <clears throat> it's a journey. It's a, it's a process. And, uh, in Nehemiah, we find uh, a common little phrase, and um, I was thinking of calling the book this, and next to them. And that's the theme of my book, is uh, and next to them. So Bill uh, <laughs> built his section of the wall, and next to them was, you know, John, and then and next to them, and next to them, and next to them. And so it was a whole community uh, event of rebuilding the heart of the city called Jerusalem. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right because yeah, he he goes he goes he's given the task of rebuilding the walls, isn't he? And um, that's right. Yeah, yeah, um, and then he goes away and comes back um, twelve years later, and um, things have been going really wrong, and he uh, he has to put them right again. Um, I don't know if that's covered. I I don't know if that's covered. That's towards the end, isn't it? So I don't know if that's covered in the yeah, end. that's towards the end. So this is just the first seven chapters. And uh, it's you know I had the, I, was, I was writing this I was like my nephew had one of those drones yeah you know, that flies up above oh yeah 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 and yeah, yeah <laughs> and takes photos and I thought 
I wonder what it would be like if I was to hop in a drone or have a drone fly over Jerusalem. And uh, so, you know, you look down and you see all these people, families working next to each other, building, um, rebuilding. And But then you'd also see the scoffers that um, were trying to undermine the recovery work. And then you see um, uh, Nehemiah, uh, you know, walking around, cheering people on. Then you go a bit higher and you see uh, the king uh, that was supporting the movement and encouraging that. But it's a whole community event that's um, happening for the recovery. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, yeah, from what I can see, it's about... It's about a whole community kind of being destroyed and being stripped down and everything almost being taken away and then having to rebuild and recover um, That's as, a, right. as a community, yeah. you know. Um, obviously, there's, there's things in there which probably, you know, it's, if you read it a certain way, it wouldn't look good, like, you know, Nehemiah se- separating the Jewish people from everybody else, you know, um, in terms of, like, ex- you know, social exclusion. That's... That context isn't a good context, but when you look at it in terms of a community that's fallen apart and rebuilding themselves again, and recovering themselves yep. again, and recovering their identity, um, yes, that that's a very positive and I think helpful way to look at it. Um, yeah, and I think uh, you know one of the one of the things that we don't often understand is that there are people, particularly in Nehemiah, that were against the recovery that did not want to see the recovery happen mm. and actively worked against it. And I've seen that happen within um, people recovering from mental illness, that uh, when people start to recover and to um, become who they truly were always meant to be, it sort of rocks the boat of other people's lives and they, they have to... Um, you know, it may may really challenge them that they have to change their views of um, this person and of life indeed. Mm. And so when there is a recovery happening, there's also a resistance, there's a pushback, and we don't often appreciate that, that that is there. I agree. Certainly as somebody who has been down to the real bottom, um, you have to want to fight back I think like I yeah like you have to there comes a point where you have to kind of just decide like I I had a really low point um was it a couple of years ago or a year ago um 18 months yeah um where actually it was a year ago it was a year ago and I where I was on the verge of losing my house and I had no job and had no money and I've uh, been working through a lot of past trauma as well and um, it was all kind of getting stripped away and I almost had nothing yep. left and you know that's when I had suicidal ideation you know I d- didn't plan, yep. didn't plan suicide didn't 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 make make plans didn't Good. attempt it yep. but I got close you know and um, and at that point it's kind of you've got to just decide like even if it's just with the weakest thing you have, you just have to say something has to something has to kick in and say like, no, like I'm not going to yes, defeat that's right. Like, and it doesn't have to be this big, strong like surge of resistance. It can just be just a little refusal just to 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 beat you, um, and it can be 
Yeah. And the most important, and actually, what I found really helped me there was solidarity. Was people I could talk to, yes. community. Yes. Um, just like messaging a friend, like and saying I was really low and I needed someone to talk to, and them yeah. taking me out for a drink. You know. Um, yeah. Those little things give you the little impetus that you need to start yes. rebuilding, and it's a slow process. And yeah. uh, but you have to, like you say, you have to kind of want it. You know, um, you know, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, it's that, again. It's that and next to them uh, principle that Nehemiah shares. You know, yeah. we um, <laughs> we each Thursday I meet with uh, a couple of mates. Uh, most Thursdays I meet with a couple of mates uh, for lunch, and uh, we call it balcony. And uh, I don't know if you watched the old TV series called um, uh, Boston Legal. I've heard of it. I've never Le- seen it. Okay. Well, there's uh, right at the end of the show, uh, William Shatner and... Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> William Shatner and um, uh, James Spader. They're two lawyers in this legal firm. Right. And they sit out on the balcony of uh, this posh... Um, legal firm in Boston with a cigar and a, a glass of whiskey and they just muse over in everything that's happened. No structure, no... They just talk about anything that's happened and what's going on. They just sit there and talk as mm. good friends. And so <laughs> me and my two mates, um, we have what we call balcony. We don't smoke cigars and drink whiskey, <laughs> but we do have a coffee and a sandwich. And um, for an hour each week, uh, we just sit there. We, there's no, you know, got to do Bible study or anything like that, but we just sit there as friends talking. And so what that does is that if I've ever got a struggle where I'm, where I'm hitting the wall, where there's resistance, where there's a pressure on, I know I've got two guys that will listen to me and will um, encourage me. And... Uh, and I've done the same for them. When they've hit the wall and uh, when they've had struggles within their own lives, and again, it's that and next to them principle in my book, you know, Broken the Build, it's, it's about a community event happening. Yeah. Uh, intentionality too. If there's an intentionality to actually form community. And uh, so, <laughs> you know, yeah. Jesus said that... Uh, Wherever two or three are gathered, I'm going to show up. I'm, that, that's where the party's happening. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's, I think an element to that yeah. of yeah. saying that is, you know what, you, to survive, to thrive, yes, um, to make it through, you need community. Like human beings are made for community, and community can be one other person with you. It can be. You know, it can be as small yes. as two people gathered together. That, you know, and we need that. You know, because if we don't, we don't have physical interaction. We, the, the odds are that it's not going to work out for us. You know, we need that physical inter- that physical interaction with other people on a regular basis to That's survive right. in a healthy yeah. way as human beings. Um, and especially right. when you have mental illness, it's absolutely vital that you have people around you who are safe people who you can go yep. to and be you and just and that's okay and you can be vulnerable and you can um, be honest about about your chal- about your struggles about the challenges that you have and they don't judge they don't 
and they just sit with you they hang out with you they listen to you uh, and they love you and we, we all need that every human being yes. whether we're Christian or, or, or not it's, a, it's part of the human condition we need community to uh, survive you know and uh, yeah and especially when you've got mental we'll illness I think yeah, I think also with um, with having a mental illness, it can be extremely isolating. Yeah, absolutely. because people don't want to talk about it. Yeah, uh, they yeah. don't understand it. Um, it's kind of mysterious. Um, it's not like a broken arm, which you can see and you can say, "Okay, given a few months' time, and you'll be back doing these things." Well, no, it's not like that. It, it, you can't pin it down mm. as easily as as that. So. Yeah, having a mental illness can be extremely isolating, and uh, we need to be having community. We, everybody needs it. Yeah, um, and that's why this book is really important. I think you know because it just oh good yeah it, it provides yeah. that example of why community is important and allows us to reflect on that and to meditate on that and um, you know and to have the presence of God in, in, in those spaces because we need yes we need that too you know um, I think you know I think um, yeah so tell us about how writing this book impacted your how did it impact your 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 mental illness um, and your, your experience with mental illness and also your relationship with God I suppose, I, I, what I like to do when I'm when I'm writing or when I was was preaching, you know, giving messages, I really like to dig into uh, just maybe one verse or a, a, you know, not the whole lots and lots of verses, but really dig into one little verse and find a nugget in there, and it, then it comes alive. So as I was writing this, I was just starting to see more and more about how, wow, God is really involved in the care of his people and of, of me. And that here was this book um, from around 860 BC. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time ago. Yet uh, here are some, some incredible teachings about recovery that we can use. Yeah, you know, the principles are still the same, mm. you know, and it excited my heart that I'm like, wow. Now, you know, most books that I have read about Nehemiah have all been to do with leadership, all right? Mm. This is what a leader does, you know. This yeah. is Nehemiah, the leader. And so I sat down and I thought, well, what if Nehemiah was my pastor? What if Nehemiah was my therapist? What if Nehemiah was my spiritual director? <laughs> uh, what would he say to me? What would he want me to know for the day uh, in my journey? Mm. So I sat down and I thought, hmm, okay, I'm just going to take it as a very personal journey of saying, Nehemiah is right there next to me and he's pointing out something um, to me. And um, so say like um, the first chapter it's all about, um, uh, let's see, I'll just have a look at it. Questions need to be asked. Mm. You know, and it's important just to have a good question. And Nehemiah asked a question. Now, for you, James, mm. for your mental health, 
what's it like when somebody asks you a really good, deep question about how you are? Putting you on the spot here. <laughs> what is it? So just, just repeat that again so I can get it right. What's it like in your heart when somebody asks you a deep, good question oh. about you? Oh, gosh. It depends on who's asking. I mean, Of course, yeah. Um, if it's a good friend and somebody I trust... Yeah. Then I feel heard. I feel like... I feel valued. I feel... I feel able to share if it's somebody yeah. I trust. And, uh, you know, that it, I feel... Yeah, I feel safe. Um, you feel safe, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's obviously it's a stranger, <laughs> um, somebody I've yeah. never met before, that's completely different. But if it's somebody I know and somebody I trust, then it will make me feel like um, we feel like I'm heard, like I'm valued, like I'm loved, and that I'm that I have a safe space. Um, that's what yeah. I would say. So, in the very first verses of Nehemiah, Nehemiah asks a question about his his family back in Jerusalem. Mm. Yeah, and that sort of says to me, really, recovery always starts with a question being asked. It always does. How are you? What's going on? Mm. Uh, is there anything I can do to help? Please, please help me understand what's happening in you. Those sorts of questions. And um, I'll, I'll share a quote here um, by a guy called Larry Crabb, who uh, I love his work. <laughs> Done some training with him. Most people go through their entire lives never speaking words to another human being that come out of what is deepest in them. Most people never hear words that reach all the way into that deep place we call the soul. Mm. We almost never hear words that stir life within us, that pour into those empty spaces deep inside, filled only with fear and frustration. Yeah. We rarely hear words that draw our soul into the soul of another human being and together into God. So, you know, when I heard, you know, Nehemiah asked a question, I immediately thought, who are my closest friends that ask me questions? Who are the people that want to go deep with me? Mm. And um, who are they are the people that are and next to me, you know, and next to them, juniors. Um, so that's yeah. You know, that's just an example of one of the chapters, and uh, a recovery uh, idea. Now, I don't think you'd find that particular insight probably in many textbooks about recovery. Mm. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> and there's lots of those, you know. And I'm like, wow, this is the word of God. You know, God's God's voice to us coming alive to us from 861 BC or whatever it was uh, to us here in the 21st century. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. You know, you can't, you, it's got to, it's got to be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is, that's true. The, the, the power of somebody, you know, speaking into your life and like, taking time to listen to your story yes and valuing your story and 
accepting you where you are without judgment without condemnation um, without stigma um, it's uh, it's a, it's an amazing thing and it's a special yes. a really special thing and the saddest thing though the saddest thing is that for the most part to get that type of relationship you probably have to pay for it <laughs> yeah that's right absolutely yeah. it's, it, yes um, yeah you have to go to a therapist that we have to you know. so I suppose that's part of what um, my mission is in turning the page is to help people grow in those uh, ability to have those relationships you know yeah, deep absolutely. relationships I think that's really really, really important work um, yeah um, I mean what are some of the things that you would suggest that churches need to do to improve how they how they confront mental illness okay um, big question yeah <laughs> <laughs> how long we got <laughs> I, I would say yeah. empower the people empower the people uh Here's an example of what I did, which was absolutely, well, we had our church service called The Living Room. Mm. And um, uh, people that would not normally get any opportunity <clears throat> to lead worship or to preach or to uh, share anything in a normal church service, they were the ones that were leading the service. They were the ones that were playing the music. They were the ones that were sharing from the week, mm. they were the ones that were praying. Mm. Now, uh, I wished I'd done this more, um, but it's the most incredible thing that I've ever seen happen, was I invited uh, people to preach a sermon uh, on one of the Beatitudes. And so what I did is I said, okay, I'd like to hand this over to you guys uh, to preach sermons. So. Uh, some people came forward and what we did was I gave them they chose one of the Beatitudes and then they I uh, gave them very easy to read um, commentaries on that particular verse and then we sat down and we uh, wrote a sermon together and so we had uh, a guy with a, a gambling addiction talking about peacemaking and said, what, what, what's it like to be a peacemaker? And he said, well, it's like when I have to come home after a gambling bout and have to make peace with my wife, that's hard. I had someone who <clears throat> struggled with voice, hearing voices, schizophrenia voices, and she chose uh, Blessed Are the Meek. And I said, okay, well, what does meek mean? What does it look like in the Bible? And we discovered that meek means actually uh, self-control, like uh, a bridle in a horse's mouth, and uh, to getting control over oneself. And she instantly got it about how, uh, with her voices, she had to learn about them and to learn how to take responsibility for them and to control them, much like a horse, you know, being bridled. And and she got up and she shared this for, for 10 to 15 minutes. 
and you could hear a pin drop because people were listening and they were relating and going, uh-huh, I totally understand. I get that. Mm. Um, another person talked about um, being on an invalid's benefit, which is a, a yeah. social security benefit we used to have here in New Zealand. It's called something different now. But he talked about um, invalid me. Am I invalid? And uh, that was, wow. wow. How did that, I could never have talked like that. Yeah. It sounds like you've been giving so, these people a space to share their story, basically. You know, it's... That's right. It's yeah. that basic thing, like, your story matters. We want to hear it. We want to... You're yeah. part of this community. We want you to be... To know that your story is heard and your story is valid. Uh, that's right. And that's a good thing, you know, um, because... People need, like I say, one of the things that you need when you're going, you're facing those challenges, is to know that your story matters, and that that's right, and that yeah. and that your story has value, and that you have value, and that and that you're heard. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. What what it did for these people is it just boosted their confidence <laughs> so much. You know, one of them, you know, what we did after each sermon, we we um, gave out notes of the sermon and people would uh, take them home well this particular person who I want all these copies to give to my mum and my auntie and you know and such a it was just magic, it was just incredible (laughs) Um, you asked about what the church can do Uh, well I think you've got to first realise that one in five people at any one time on a Sunday morning or wherever it is they'll be struggling. Mm. And so for that, if you count across your pew, one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> you can say this person has got something going on. And so making sure that that um, how you present content, how you talk about things, um, are people with mental illness involved in the, are crucially involved in the decision-making process mm. of what's going on in the church or is it just left up to the qualified uh, ones yeah. as such yeah what's the, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the hierarchy of the church you know is it's you know, absolutely are people, like, All that. Are people's stories ignored or are they listened to um, that's right yeah that's that's really really important that, you know that even if they're not preaching that at some level that their stories are heard and acknowledged and that they are not treated indifferently because of those that's stories. That's correct, yeah. Um, uh, Francis, Francis Schaeffer uh, once said, there are no little people. <laughs> no little people in God's kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And yeah. we just need to start breaking that stigma down. I was talking to somebody about this the other day, that, that you know, that there's a lot of work the church needs to do and that pastors need to do, and that pastors need to be better educated, you know, on... Or on mental illness and the challenges of mental illness and experiences of mental illness, so that they, they, you know, so that they're more aware, um, and that they can also spot the signs, you know. Um, yeah, I I have a soft part for pastors because I have been one. Yes, obviously. <laughs> and, yeah. and the pressures that they are under um, from 
various uh, yeah. <laughs> um, groups of people that, you know, this should be their priority, this should be the priority. And, and mental health comes along there somewhere in that mix as well. So the, the pastor has to juggle so many different things. Uh, all I would ask is that um, pastors sit down with, uh, with uh, the person who's just come out of the unit. Yeah, the person who is struggling with addictions uh, once a month. Uh, Andy Stanley, who is um, pastor of a mega church in the states, he uh, he related how he he focused in just on one person uh, with with some real struggles. You know, and he, he's a guy who's flat out busy all the time, but he says, "I will do for one." what I wish I could do for everyone. Mm. And so you don't have to do, as pastors, you don't have to do everything for everybody. (laughs) But if you can just sit with one person, maybe mental one person, that person will change you. They'll grow you. They'll challenge you. And that that learning will leach out to the whole of the congregation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful. So, what's kind of your your hope for the book? What's what what do you what do you hope people take from the book? Uh, but when I was reading writing it, I had sort of like an idea of like of maybe um, if you've got a friend that struggles with mental illness, you could read this together on a daily basis you know, and talk about what you've learned. Mm. Or maybe it's in a therapy situation where uh, someone's going to therapy, uh, counselling, etc., and the therapist says, um, why don't you read this book and then next week we'll talk about what you learnt or what you discovered in the last seven days. Something that may have spoken to you. Um, so my, yeah, my hope is that uh, it spreads and that something of, of uh, 61 BC will <laughs> will spring up in uh, this year in people's lives. Mm. Yeah, this is. I'm really, mm. I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited about this book. And um, thank you. Um, yeah, having read it, you know, is really, really a positive thing. And um, you know, I think that message of you know rebuilding what's broken and you know re. Um, you know, rebuilding our lives, you know, and putting ourselves back together, um, that nothing is hopeless, you know. That's right, yeah. Um, is something we all need to hear. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, you've got a little offer for us, for listeners of the show. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, uh, if you come over to the website, um, turningthepage.info forward slash poma, which is P-O-E-M-A, correct? Poem with an A on the end, I always say. Okay, um, poem with the A. So, turn the page, .info, uh, There'll be an a offer there, and I'd like to send a couple of books out to some of your listeners. So, uh, they just have to subscribe, and I'll pick a couple of people out to send it off to. Um, the other thing, too, is that uh, you can buy it. You can buy it at Amazon, but also I have... Um, a pay what you like offer as well so people can come to the website 
and via Gumroad they can pay what they like to get a copy of it. So um, that's, that's the other thing too. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for coming on the show and talking about this. It's you know, oh great. Um, you know, I try to have different people to talk about uh, mental health and mental illness and mental illness and faith as well. I think it's a really, I just think it's a really, really important subject and we need to get as many voices um, out there as possible. And, you yeah. know, um, and, you know, what, what you're doing, the work you've been doing uh, and this book and everything, it's really important. So um, thank you for coming on. Oh, my pleasure, James. Uh, I just uh, want to thank you for do, for everything that you do and uh, getting some good ideas out there to help people. Just um, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. So um, thanks for listening, everyone. Hope that was hope that was really encouraging for you. And um, make sure you enter that competition. Um, it's at um, again. What's the website? It's turningthepage.info uh, forward slash poma. So turningthepage.dot info turn the page info forward slash poema um, and um, <laughs> enter a competition to get a, a free copy of the book so um, fantastic um, thanks for listening everyone and have a great week